Be ready for everything and anything. Every good player has the ability to slow the game down. It doesn't matter what just happened, it's what you're gonna do next. Donut three! One, two, three, zone! This episode is brought to you by Smushball, the official training ball of Zone Sports Academy. How many times do you go to a game and there's no batting cages, no nets, and you only have a field to hit into? No problem. Smush balls are excellent because you can use them for hitting, fielding, catching, blocking, throwing, and much more. Smush balls are the perfect practice ball to use indoors or outdoors, in rain or cold conditions, against fences, nets, and even in basements. We love them for all ages and skill levels. Smush balls, the pliable ball that you can count on. Welcome to the Get Zoned In podcast for coaches looking to improve their skills and knowledge both on and off the field. Whether you're a seasoned veteran or just starting out, this podcast is for you. We'll be exploring a variety of topics that are relevant and important to baseball and softball coaches, but this advice can be used for all sports and skill levels. Join us as we dive into the world of coaching and learn from some of the best in the business. Whether you're looking to improve your team's performance or just want to make a positive impact on your players, we've got you covered. Let's go and let's play ball. All right, everybody, welcome back. Coach Duke and Coach Steve here with Dominate the Diamond. Welcome to the Get Zoned In podcast, where we bring you the latest insights and stories from the world of baseball and softball. Today, we have a very special guest that will be joining us. Who do we have today? Coach Steve. Yes, guys, very, very fortunate for our, for our special guest today. Coach Ryan Wheeler is joining the show. Coach Wheeler is the associate head coach at St. Joseph's University, and he's in his ninth season with the program. Coach Wheeler started his coaching career at William & Mary, where he spent nine seasons. After that, he coached at the University of Pennsylvania in 2006, followed by five years as the assistant coach at the University of Richmond. I met Coach Wheeler in my senior year of college, which was the first of his three years as the head coach at Temple University before joining the staff at St. Joe's. Coach Wheeler is one of the most well-respected college coaches in the Northeast and was recognized by his peers as the top recruiting coordinator in the Atlantic 10 Conference by D1Baseball.com. Coach Wheeler also runs team camps at St. Joe's all summer long, and these recruiting events have been a staple in our team schedule each summer. In addition to the day-to-day -day task of running a program and recruiting, he spends his time working with the hitters and infielders at St. Joe's. I'm very grateful that Coach Wheeler was my head coach during my senior year at Temple, and in that one year, he had an impact on me that not only helped jumpstart me into my first year of professional baseball, but then again years later as I started my coaching career. So, Wheels, thanks so much for joining us. You know, we appreciate you taking the time. You bet, and, and more than welcome. Uh, you, you guys, since I've moved back up to the area here and, and you guys have started uh, Zoned, it's been a pleasure to work with you guys. Always enjoy, you know, your players, uh, seeing your teams, and, and just talking baseball with you guys. Um, I, I will give you, and Steve, I told you this, you know, on the phone a couple weeks ago, uh, the, the stuff that you're putting out on social media, uh, the stuff on Instagram, I, I save so much of that stuff because some of the drills, uh, some of the things that you're teaching are things that, uh, you know, I share with our team and our players. So you guys are doing a great job over there, and I'm honored to be, uh, be on the, the podcast here with you today. Awesome. So let's start off with the first question. So, Wheels, what lit the fire or created the passion for you to get into coaching? So I wish I could sit here and say that, you know, as a, growing up, that that's all I wanted to do was was coach. You know, when, when I was a kid in the, the, the 70s and 80s, I, I didn't 
didn't know a lot of professional coaches or people that coached. And, and the ones that I did kind of know, you know, they were in teaching. And so, you know, I didn't, I didn't want to be a teacher. Uh, I just thought as a kid, I'm going to play as long as I can, hopefully get to the big league someday. And, uh, you know, and then after that, I'll, I'll do whatever. And what I really wanted to do was design golf courses. Uh, and so <laughs> my journey led me to, to Penn State University. Uh, and fortunately, I had, had a great career there, a good career. I shouldn't say great, but good career. And, you know, got a chance to play a little bit of pro ball. And then upon finishing, I didn't know what I was going to do. And it just so happened a friend of mine sent me uh, a flyer. He was in grad school, Virginia Tech, sent me a flyer about a job down in the Williamsburg uh, area for, for this company that, that worked with golf course architects on building golf courses. And so I sent in a resume. Uh, they called me up for an interview. And it just so happened, you know, the head coach and the assistant coach uh, at William & Mary were friends of mine. And so... I was down on the interview. I went to, to dinner with them and they said, well, hey, look, if you get this job and you move down here, maybe, maybe you could help us out. You know, we need a volunteer coach. And uh, and at that time, you know, volunteers were much different, their responsibilities and what they do now. And and so I said, oh, OK, that sounds interesting. Uh, you know, let me see. And so, you know, I got the job. I moved to Williamsburg. I reconnect with them. And, you know, I, I joined the staff kind of in a little bit in the fall of 96, uh, 95. And, um, you know, by the spring I was, I was on board sort of full time, but, you know, I went out to some of the first few practices and that's when I knew, okay, I got to give up this other job. I'd only been on the job for about a month. And I said, I got to give up this other job. I, I got to coach like, this is awesome. That was really what, what lit the fire. Uh, but you know, I needed to make money. And so uh, I kept I kept the other job for a few years and was the volunteer, uh, just sort of gaining experience and and stuff. And then finally, an, an opening came and my, my friend left to come to become the head coach at Rowan, John Cole, and uh, left to become the head coach at Rowan. And, and so they offered me the job. Now, I should have been fired from my other job countless times because uh, I was always leaving work early to go to practice and and stuff and, and taking my vacation days to uh uh, to travel to the games. But uh, fortunately, I had a great boss who was very understanding and allowed me to sort of get my feet wet in the coaching profession. And then, you know, it was tough to say, hey, I'm, I'm leaving this really well-paying job to go make absolutely nothing now. But, uh, you know, he understood and, and uh, I still keep in touch with him to this day. So, uh, so that's sort of how my journey began in coaching. And it was kind of by accident but uh, I would not have changed anything for the world right now. Hey, well, Mike Trout and Tiger Woods are building a sick uh, golf course in New Jersey, so maybe they're looking for somebody to run the, uh, the golf course for them. So maybe you can get back to what you love. I'm getting to that age now where, uh, you know, I, I hope I can keep throwing BP, hitting fungos, and giving something back to the game. But if not, I said I'd be more than happy to go work at a golf course as a starter, cutting grass, you name it, I'll, I'll do it. That's awesome. Well, I think a majority of our, our listeners are, are youth coaches. You know, Duke talks about it all the time. He remembers his favorite Little League coach. I remember mine. Was there a specific coach that you had growing up that had a, a big impact on you? Yeah, so so my, my Little League coach when I turned 10 was a guy by the name of John Corrado. And I'm uh, not even sure if he's still alive or not. But anyway, um, he was a local guy uh, here in Pennsylvania. And you know, he was, he had played minor league baseball with the Chicago Cubs. 
And at the time I was, I thought he was a God, like, um, like I've met somebody that has played professional baseball. And, and I didn't quite know the difference between minor league and major league exactly at that time, but uh, I kind of did, but I just thought this is awesome. And, you know, the fact that he was now here coaching me as a 10 year old made a huge, huge impact on me. Um, and I think he could see, you know, that I love to play the game and had a desire to do it. And so, um, you know, he, he worked with me, became, you know, his family became friends with our family and he coached me for three years, but I would say he had a huge impact and really sort of, you know, turned me on to, to wanting to play and be like him. You know, I, I wanted to, I wanted to be him. So that, that was, he made a huge impact. It's funny you say that. Cause I, I get so many kids that they'll say like, Oh man, you played for the white Sox." I'm like, well, I was in the organization. I was like five levels away from making it to the White Sox, but yes. <laughs> no, I, I, I hear you. And people, uh, you know, say the same thing to me about playing in the Angels organization. And uh, in, in fact, we just real quick, and I, because I got a laugh out of it, we played over at Rutgers early in the season and some guy was flagging me down from the side. And I'm like, gosh, I don't know who this guy is, but, you know, he was pointing at me and asked me to come over. So I did. And uh, he asked me to sign my baseball card. Um, he had it in this book and I, I thought, boy, this thing's worth about two cents, if that. But, uh, you know, I was more than happy to sign it, but I couldn't believe anybody had a copy of it because I thought I own the only 15 or 20 that I still have in my dresser is where I keep them. So, uh, you know, but it, it's kind of cool to say, say you've done it and been there and stuff. But yeah, I was so far away from the big leagues. It's not not even funny. So, you know, like Coach Steve said, you know, we're talking with a lot of youth coaches. And when you're out recruiting, what are some of the characteristic traits that you look for in players that you're looking to recruit that they can help instill in their players as they're playing the game and as they're, you know, 9, 10, 11, and 12? Because we talk about it all the time with the middle school and high school kids about respect and hustle and effort and things like that. But hearing from you of what you look for when you're recruiting can really help us and youth coaches instill that in our players. Well, look, I mean, the first thing that we're going to look at is, is can, can they play the game uh, and how do they play the game? And, and, you know, I look at it in simple terms. There's, there's four basic skills in the game, run, hit, catch, throw. And, you know, when, when I go out to watch uh, players, you know, I'm, I'm, sort of looking at, at those things first. Um, and I mean, believe it or not, you know, there's there's some players at the high school level that that struggle with those fundamentals. So I, I guess to, to put it in simpler terms, you know, the fundamentals of the game, can they, can they do the fundamentals of the game? Sure, I want to see them execute some of the more complex skills and, and stuff when, when we're watching them, but, uh, but you've got to be able to do, do the basic fundamental skills. So at a younger level, being taught the fundamentals and the right way to do things, I think is, is very important because that's going to carry all the way through, you know, even to the professional level, you know, those guys, I'm sure if you talk to them, they go back to some of the very basic things that they learned when they were, when they were young players. But, you know, I think as a, as a recruiter, you're almost like a, a detective, you know, you're, you're watching for things with these guys when, when you go out to see them play how they wear their uniform, you know, uh, how they, 
in our case, how do they show up to the field? Are their shoes untied? Are they wearing flip-flops? You know, is the shirt untucked? Is the, you know, or is everything all buttoned up, you know, tucked in? They're, they're sort of ready to go once they hit the field. And then we watch them warm up and, you know, just see how they go about the business, see how they interact with the other, the other teammates. Um, are they off by themselves doing their own thing? Meaning maybe they're a little bit selfish or you know do they get along with their their teammates and and you know they're the they're the first one in line if they're if they're stretching and warming up are they the first one in line or are they at the back uh are they one of the leaders taking charge and getting guys organized uh or are they kind of off to the side and just following you know then we're watching them play catch and we watch them you know do whatever activities they're doing before the game uh and then you know obviously we're paying close attention to what what they're doing during the game most of the time, I, I really want to go see guys fail when when we go out to watch them play, because if they come to where I'm at, and in this case, St. Joe's University, there's a good chance they're going to fail at some point on, on the field. They're going to strike out. They're going to make a bad pitch. You know, they're going to make some sort of mistake. And I want to see how they handle that. Um, do the shoulders slump? Does the head go down? Do they throw their equipment? Uh, do they yell at an umpire? Do they yell at a coach? You know, those types of things sort of give me some insight into, you know, what kind of person they are and how they handle failure. You know, and then obviously it's great to go see them have success and how they handle that as well. But, you know, the failure piece, I think, is is a little bit more important. They have to have some success in order for us to continue to recruit them. If I constantly go see them fail and I might be on the wrong guy. But um want to see, you know, how they... Like, like I said, how they interact with their teammates and just how they carry themselves. Do they have a presence? Uh, do they play the game aggressively? Do they compete? What do they like when the game is on the line? How do they handle, you know, those situations? Do they Are they able to be in the moment or is the moment too big for them and, and you know, they, um, they can't handle it? So I don't know how a lot of those things relate to youth coaches, but, uh, and, and what they're trying, you know, what exactly they're doing with their kids because, you know, those are the formative years when you're, you know, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11 years old. But I do think having those experiences at a young age, you know, will help them later on uh, as, as they move through to middle school and high school and, and then hopefully on to college. With, with, uh, with all the years that you've been coaching, has there been a specific instance or a specific player that you, you were so excited to see because, wow, they had all the tools, really good players, so pumped, but some of those characteristics of maybe not being a teammate or having a poor attitude that you kind of just wrote them off after being like, whoa, this kid's a stud, but can you tell us one of those stories? <laughs> yeah, I mean... I think uh, I think those stories are more often than than you think. You know, we are constantly bombarded with information from from people about players, and not only from coaches reaching out, but now with social media, the internet. I mean, you can find stuff on guys, you know, all over the place. So you can, you know, and and with these videos or the information you get, it, clearly they're going to tell you all the good things. So you get kind of excited about you know a number of guys. But I think the one thing that I've learned is I have to go go see for myself, you know, if if this guy is going to be the right fit. And, you know, I try to stick to those to those core principles, you know, of, of what we're looking for. And the hard part is, you know, if a guy has all the tools and, and you know, is really excites you with what you think he can do on the field, 
but then you feel like hey, he's not a good teammate. You know, I don't know if he competes very well, you know, if he can handle the moment, so on and so forth, you know, to be able to walk away and say, nah, I'm, I'm not going to, I'm not going to recruit that guy. I'm not going to, I'm not going to ask him to be a part of the program. So I can say one specific example would be, and I'm not going to name names, but it was at our camps. There was a left-handed pitcher here, uh, six, five, those guys excite me because they don't grow on trees, really good arm action, just really had a lot of upside, you know, at the camp, his team was playing and, and, you know, I just was kind of casually sitting in the dugout and, you know, overheard some things that he was saying and, and, you know, just watched, just was kind of watching how he was interacting with his teammates. And I just wasn't getting a good vibe. I, I just was not, feeling it and I'm like oh boy I'm like I really like this guy <laughs> but I don't like some of this stuff that I'm hearing here so you know we we walked away um and and you know we wound up not not offering him but um th that's that's tough and those are the dilemmas I mean that keep me up at night because it's it's like well how how bad is it you know how well maybe I could change him maybe you know if he, we got him you know it'll be different but one thing that really hasn't changed or doesn't change is, is someone's personality and who who they kind of are at their core and uh you know they're going to mature but uh and, and grow up but just who they are as a person eh, it doesn't change I truly believe that coaches recruit players that are similar in personality to them uh I really do and at the end of the day you know we're going to wind up with the guys that um you know are, are that we connect with on some level with our personalities. So yeah, that it just wasn't jiving with this guy. And, and, and look, I'm glad I got to see it because, uh, and, and, and he wound up going on and having a pretty good career at another place, but you know, there, there were some things maybe that other coach had to deal with that, you know, I just chose or didn't want, want to have to deal with. So, but it's tough. I was going to say, man, it's gotta be tough too, because I'm seeing more and more kids get, you know, ranked nationally at, 11 and 12 years old and 13 years old and it's become so individualized and I remember one thing when I got to college and it was that everybody had done these showcase camps they've done you know and again not bashing PBR or, or PG because I think some of the stuff they do is great but to be nationally ranked at 12 years old it's like they're so focused on themselves and they don't really know how to win they don't know how to you know put the team first or do what they can you know to help that team win and then when they go to an event like yours and they do face a little failure, it's like, oh, the weight of the, you know, the weight of the world's on their shoulders versus, all right, man, I'm having a rough day, but I got to execute this bond or I got to get a guy over. or I got to be on the top step of the dugout to help my team win that day. Right. And, and, and I know we don't necessarily want to spin off into recruiting, but you know, it, it has changed so much in the 25 years or so that I've been coaching and, and it is very much individualized now. Each one of these players is like their own little entity, corporation, bit, whatever. And it's, it's about self-promotion because, you know, they have to do that in order to set themselves apart or put themselves in the position to where, you know, we're, we're going to look at them as, as coaches. And to, to try to find, you know, kids that are just playing American Legion baseball or playing, you know, Babe Ruth, whatever you want to call it, who haven't, you know, done the showcase camps or the showcase circuit travel baseball um, and, and nothing against any of that, but to find those kids is really, that's far and few between these days. And so, you know, we recognize when we go out there to see these guys, you know, that they're, um, 
they're their own little entities and they're focused on themselves. However, if you're watching the game and, and stuff, you can try to pick up on whether they understand understand how to play the game and they're there for their for their team and, and doing things to help their their team win. But but that's the hard part to kind of decipher in all of this just because of the structure of how things are set up these days. So I, I there's nobody to blame. It's just kind of how it's evolved. Would I love to be able to change it? Sure, but that's it's just too big of an animal now that I, I don't know that I could do that. So, uh, you know, I just have to go along with kind of what it is and, and kind of try to figure out who we think is a player and who's not. We see a lot of kids specializing at a young age and only focusing on one sport. Do you look for multiple, like multi-sport athletes? Is there a benefit to that? Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, so... It's it's funny you ask that question because I think, you know, if I were to sh show up to a, an event where there's 100 players and, you know, I start watching and, and stuff and, and, you know, now picking out the different players that I like. And let's say we pick out uh, 10 players out of those 100 that I kind of kind of like because they're athletic. And if I were to start to dive in and, and find out more about them, I bet you nine of those 10 guys play other sports. They're a basketball, baseball player. They're a football, you know, baseball, whatever. Um, so I think it is, I think it's great when, you know, these guys play other sports. And I think it's great for a couple of reasons. One, you know, I think there's stuff from other sports that lend itself to, to baseball, uh, just as there's some things from baseball that might lend themselves to other sports. So I think that break from, from just doing baseball, 12 months out of the year when you're eight, nine, 10, 11 years old, I think is, is a good thing. You know, you're only a kid once at 52. I can't turn back the clock and say, you know what? I think I want to play uh, high school football now uh, or high school basketball. It just doesn't, doesn't happen. So, so I think it's healthy and, and stuff to, to play these other sports because then when you get to college and it is, you know, a 12 months out of the year type of type of thing, you know, you're not burnt out. I, I think I, I'm starting to see kids get burnt out at, you know, 13, 14 years old, because all they've done is baseball, baseball, baseball. And are they doing it because they love it that much? Or are they doing it because mom and dad love, want them to do it that much? And they feel like, oh, well, we've got to do all this specialized training. We've got to do it 12 months out of the year. And, and the kids just don't get to be, they don't get to be kids. Uh, so I, I think it's healthy to play other sports. And, and, you know, when I'm out, I'm looking for athletes. And, and typically those are the ones that play multiple sports. I think, uh, you know, watching youth games, we see these stories all the time about uh, coaches taking it overboard. You know, coaches being loud and, you know, arguing with umpires. We see videos on social media of, you know, fist fights breaking out. One thing that always stood out to me was you always seem pretty composed, uh, you know, in the dugout. Obviously, you would get, you get riled up and, and fired up in certain situations, but you know, you almost let us play. And, you know, in practice time, it seemed like, you know, that, that was your time to, to coach us up. And then in games, you kind of took a, a step back and let us go out there and compete. You know, what's some advice you would give to a youth coach? I, I must do a good job of, of faking it a little bit because maybe externally I look composed, but inside there's a circus going on and, and stuff, you know, because you're, you're a competitor. But I think one thing that I've realized over the course of my journey in coaching is that it's not about me. All right. The, the, 
people are not coming to the game to see to see me and I'm not playing the game anymore. Right. My time has come and gone. So it's it's not not about me. per se. It's about the, the kids on the field. You know, maybe in the 70s and 80s when I was growing up, you know, coaches yelling, screaming, you know, sort of challenging you that way was a way to sort of motivate you and, and get you to do something. That's that's not that's not this generation. And that's not a good or bad thing. I'm just saying that's that's not this this generation screaming, yelling, uh, going over the top with your antics really isn't going to benefit anyone. Um, and it's certainly not going to help the kids. The reason you coach, or at least the reason I coach, is to help these guys have some of the same great experiences that I had as a player grow- coming through. And so, yes, maybe coaches yelled at me to try to move it, but that was for me, all right? This is, this is their journey, and I've got to try to reach them in a different way. Every player's personality is, is different, and it's my job to figure out that personality and how, how they learn best, you know, just like a teacher in their classroom, you know, you, you got to, each student's different and, and sure you have some overriding, some, some umbrella, you know, concepts that you want them to, to understand in a way you're going to go about it. However, you know, then you have to get specific with, with each kid and, you know, uh, basically understand what buttons to push, you know, to get them, get them to go. Uh, but I think letting them know that you're always there for them regardless of what their their needs are, I think is important. And and so whether, you know, guys are sending me videos at, at 11 o'clock at night, you know, because they're work, they're thinking about their swing and they're able to pull up, you know, some of the stuff that we have available to us. And, hey, what do you think about this? You know, I'm sitting here in my dorm room or my apartment, you know, and blah, blah, blah. And I think, you know, my phone, I may be getting ready to go to sleep, but I try to respond, you know, right away to let them know that I'm there. I'm, I'm in this battle with them or in this, you know, to help them get better. So, you know, but I think coaches that uh, that, that sort of blow up and, and lose their cool or use that as their, their main tactic, you know, they're, they're not, in, I don't want to say they're not in it for the right reasons, but uh, I think their anger sort of misguided, so to speak, is, is maybe the best way to put it. And, and you know, they're not really, mad or upset with with the kids you know they're they're more concerned about oh if we lose this game you know that's going to look bad on me or I look like I'm not prepared these guys or whatever now if if that's the case in a certain game where you don't play well okay well you know what then the next time practice we got to practice a little better or I got to think of a different way to 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 prepare these guys in order to, to get them ready for the game but when the game comes go play go go play you know and and Look, we still have those talks with with our team here, um, and and you know probably will be part of our our talk today. Uh, you know about the choices we're going to make moving forward. We're on a little. You know, we've lost a couple games here in a row. All right, we have some choices here. What are we going to do? Are we going to feel sorry for ourselves? Are we going to get down? Am I going to yell and scream at you? No, that's not going to do any good. We've got to keep marching forward. So, you know, that's just my approach. I don't know whether it's good or bad, but uh, you know, I I just hope. All I can hope for as a coach is that uh, I'm able to impact and help these guys get better. That's ultimately what they want um, and what I want. So, um, and look, we want it to all come together so that on a particular day we win. And then if we win enough games and hopefully we win a championship, you know, that's where we're going. So. I think you said it perfect when uh, 
you know, you mentioned that, you know, parents aren't there, you know, people aren't there to watch you coach, right? They're there to, to watch the kids. And you know, I think coaches lose sight of that sometimes. And, you know, they're, they're, cha they're chasing championships. They're, you know, chasing these accolades. Uh, you know, we just, we just got done with coaches clinics last week and we were talking about how the true, you know, test of a successful season is how many of your 12 kids sign up to play next year. Not, not what your record was, not, you know, how many championships did you win? And, um, you know, it's so important at a young age, you know, rec ball, travel ball, you know, coaches that get, get so tied up in the wins and losses. And then with, with so many options out there, with, with lacrosse and soccer, you know, the, the numbers are diminishing, especially once they hit that 13U age mark. You know, to see, that, to see a coach be able to bring back his whole team the following year means he's doing something right. Yeah, that's a great way of looking at it at that at the younger level. I didn't I didn't think of it in that in that way, but that's that's a really, really good point. And uh, you know, on our level, it's the transfer portal now. How many of your kids are going to enter into the transfer portal? And one thing that we are extremely proud of here, you know, at St. Joe's, since the um portal and, and the new rules came into effect in 2019 or whatever, uh, we've had two kids enter the transfer portal. Uh, you know, and one wanted a specific major, to, you know, graduate program that we didn't have. And we talked to him and said, well, look, put yourself in the portal, because if a program comes along and has it and you can play for them, that'd be great. Um, and, and so he did. And the other one was our, our catcher that, uh, you know, wound up getting drafted last year in the 11th round. But we said, hey, put yourself in the portal. You have this extra COVID year. You're certainly good enough to play in a power five program that could help your leverage with the draft. And, and so, you know, he put himself in the portal for, for those reasons, you know, he wound up getting drafted and, and stuff and, and now he's on playing professional baseball, but, you know, we're proud of the fact that the players that we've brought into this program don't want to leave. And, you know, we're, we're not running them out. You know, if, if we maybe have made a mistake in the recruiting process and, and gotten the wrong guy or just doesn't quite turn out how we thought, well, I shouldn't say the wrong guy. He just hasn't turned out how we thought we don't run them off. You know, we're still going to try to keep working with them. And, you know, maybe instead of having three years of success or four years of success playing on the field, and maybe it's only maybe it's only one, you know, but we'll we'll get something out of that guy during this time. But that that's our job is to continue to work with them to try to make them better and not just that ah, we made a mistake. See you later. You know, but that's that's what's happening, you know, in college athletics. But your perspective, you know, from the youth league, that's. That's interesting. I like that, you know, and if they come back, they must be doing a good job. For, for the listeners that are listening right now, what is a tip that you can give a coach that can help them with a player that's struggling, that is failing, that's, you know, slumping or, you know, just having a really hard time? You know, what is there something that, that a coach can do to help that player kind of get out of that? And it's more of a mental thing probably than a physical thing, but what, what, are, what are some tips that you have? You know, I think the key to any relationship is trust. You gotta have trust. And so, you know, when when our guys, I'll, I'll just sort of speak of how I work with with guys here to hopefully answer this question. You know, when they come in here in the fall, I typically set up one-on-one -on -one time with them right away. Our first interaction, so to speak, is going to be one-on-one. -on -one. You know, whether it's, you know, doing something defensively, most of the time it's going to be offensively in, in the cages. And, you know, I'm going to spend a little bit more time with with the freshmen and the sophomores as opposed to the juniors and the seniors, because I've had, 
you know, a few, a few years with them already. And it's just sort of reconnecting with them, but with the freshmen and the sophomores, it's starting to build that, that foundation, that, that foundation of trust. It starts to give me some insight into who they are as, as people. And, and I start to, you know, we'll, we'll have conversations back and forth and, and I'll ask them questions just because I'm trying to find out and figure out how they learn best and, and what makes sense, what level they're, you know, so many things. I mean, the recruiting process gives us a, a snapshot of who they are, but until they get here and we start to really begin to work with them, we don't, don't know who they are. So, you know, in some cases, uh, once, once you've got that relationship or that trust built, you know, in some cases, it's just putting your arm around the kid and saying, it's, it's going to be okay. You know, I, I, you know, you can see they're carrying the weight of the world with on their shoulders with every at bat and every play. Um, and when they, the harder they try, the more they fail and oh, they just go down, you know, the head slumps and they're just so down on themselves when you, you can't play the game that way. You got to play with some confidence. So sometimes it's just, Hey, it's, it's going to be okay. You know, and, and maybe just sitting down and talking with them. You know, in other cases, you, you've got to make a physical adjustment with whatever part of their game, but work, make small adjustments. Don't try to fix everything. You know, you could see a guy and, and he, he may, uh, from, from an offensive standpoint, you know, there, there may be three or four things that he needs to work on. Don't try to solve them or fix them all in one, one uh, foul swoop. Just pick one. We're just going to focus on this. And, you know, hopefully build a little confidence and then say, okay, look, now when we go out the next time you play, I want you to just focus on this one thing and, and, you know, let's see, let's see how that helps your game and, and helps you to improve. And, and, you know, taking those small steps right there then can lead to taking bigger steps down the road. But I see too, you know, too many times, maybe the term overcoach, you know, uh, and, and going back to, you know, the, the coaches with their antics and, you know, jumping up and down, going crazy in the dugout. They also want to give these kids, like, they want to show them, oh, I, I know all this stuff about baseball, so I'm going to give you everything. And then guys' brains are just uh, overloaded with information, and they don't know whether they're supposed to stride, not stride, put their hands up, put their hands down. They're not even sure which end of the bat they're supposed to grab because there's just too much too much going on, not that it's bad information or wrong information, it's just too much. So, so keep it simple and keep, keep it small and make, make, you know, smaller steps that hopefully then lead to, to bigger strides down the road. That's such good stuff. Cause I remember when I first started coaching, probably 2015, I remember I wanted to help so much that I found myself doing that at times. And it's like, you're trying so hard to teach them everything, you know, in such a short amount of time, but it's overwhelming. And, and like you said, picking one small thing to focus on each day is so much more beneficial. Let's, let's iron out this today and we'll worry about the rest tomorrow. But, uh, you know, I just think that's a, a, a great outlook to have. And then, you know, putting your arm around a kid and letting them know that you believe in them is what, what I needed as a coach. Cause I would be, you know, when I was hot, I was really hot. When I was cold, I felt like, you know, the weight of the world was on my shoulders and I could do nothing right. But having a coach that, you know, believes in you and you're not afraid to fail and you're not walking on eggshells. I just know from a player's perspective, it's huge. And, and look, I'm going to use you as as an example here in my first year of coaching at Temple. I mean, here I am as a head coach. You know, I want to make an impact. Uh, you know, they hired me to, to, you know, run this program. And, and 
you were clearly a really, really good player. And you did a lot of things for Temple. You were the starting third baseman. You hit in the four hole. You were the Friday night pitcher, the best pitcher on the team. And um, looking at where I thought or what I thought was best for you, after probably two or three outings, you said, all right, I sat down. I said, look, for as much as I want you to pitch, you need to play third base. That's where your future is going to be. And it's going to help you the most. And, you know, and, and I thought it would help the team the most too, but I wasn't so caught up in, well, gosh, if I take them off the mound, how many, you know, who do we put in there? Is that going to affect our wins and losses or my wins and losses? No, no, this was the team's wins and losses. And, and so we just wanted you to focus on being the best third baseman and hitting in the four hole and, and stuff. And, and hopefully that helped you. Um, I know it saved your arm a little bit, uh, even though you had a good enough arm to do it um, and continue on with it. But uh, that was in your best interest. You know, coaches just need to remember that their, their playing days are over and it's it's really not about them. It's about you guys on the field and the players on the field. So I just use that as a specific example with you. Do you coach your own kids? I know sometimes it can be challenging being a parent uh, and a coach at the same time and that, you know, how the crisscrossing. Can you talk a little bit about that? Because there's almost every youth coach, right, is a, a dad of a player and you know, they all deal with that. So how did you deal with that? I chose never to coach any one of my, my kids' teams. And, and what's funny is my oldest son, he didn't like baseball when he was younger. So he, he went on and, and played. He was a soccer player. I knew absolutely nothing about soccer. So that was easy for me to step aside there. But what's funny is now he's at St. Joe's here. He's one of our managers and part of our analytics type team that we have behind the scenes. He, uh, he might know more about college baseball and, and stuff now than anybody else. He's constantly texting me stuff. But, but anyway, my other son is my baseball player and, and is a freshman at Arcadia University playing on their program. And uh, what I didn't want for my kids was for anybody to say, whether it was another player or another parent, oh, well, he's only on the team because his dad's, you know, his dad's college baseball coach. I wanted them to earn their position on the field because of their abilities and what, you know, whoever was coaching at the time uh, or coached them, you know, thought of them. And so, you know, I, of course, was in the background and we were, you know, we'd go to the cages or in the backyard and we would do things and I talked baseball with them, but I didn't, I wanted their journey to be their journey. My journey was, you know, I, I did what I wanted with, with my journey. My parents supported it. And that's what I wanted to do for my kids. But I didn't want to make their journey my journey also, meaning, you know, I'm, I'm not trying to live through them anymore. They wanted to play. Great. If they if they chose to, to be in music or the arts or play a different sport. Great. I'm going to support that. But, uh, you know, they hear enough things from me at home about coaching and about teams and all of that stuff. Uh, you know, I wanted them to get some different perspectives and, and like I said, really make it their, their journey. And so, you know, I'm, I'm excited to go to games and be a dad. I try to just be a parent, you know, parents are doing the picnic or whatever, you know, buying food for the team. All right. Yeah. I'll help you out. You know, I'm, I'm not that guy that goes and stands out in left field either, but you know, I, I'm, I'm just a parent. I watch. And then after the game, you know, we'll talk about it you know, hey, here's what I think you need to do better. Here's, you know, that was good. Whatever the case may be. But I didn't coach my my kids for those reasons. So I don't know if that's good or bad, but that's the decision that I made. 
Do you feel like your son, um, you know, having you not coach him is more, uh, you know, more apt to, to come to you for advice now? You know, does he ask for help? Does he, you know, look for your insights? Yeah, I, you know what? He, I think he does, uh, which is, he's a quiet guy. He's a very, um, he's very observant. He's, he's one of those that watches baseball. I don't know how many kids really watch baseball, but he watches the game and all of a sudden he'll, he'll say something that he's either heard me say, uh, or he's come to one of our games and seen our team do something. And I'm like, wow, like, okay, you actually do pay attention, but you know, being a freshman, uh, there's the ups and downs uh, that he's going through and experiencing, you know, college baseball for the first time. And so I've gotten some calls, you know, that my swing stinks or I can't hit anymore or I forgot how to catch a fly ball. You know, that's where I jump in and sort of sort of give some advice. He's he's not really directly asking me, but he's asking me, you know, hey, I need to, I need some help here. You know, that's where, where I'll jump in. But yes, I've noticed more and more. You know, it was last year in high school, and now this year, he's kind of seeking more more advice from me. So it's kind of cool. That is cool because I think ninety nine percent of the kids that I coach don't listen to mom or dad, and they don't want to hear it. So I I think your angle of taking a step mm -hmm. back and just being dad probably, you know, almost like warranted your your son to to, to want to ask. I I hope so. And and look, I mean, I uh, I, I just told him, you know, look the two things you control every day are your attitude and your effort. So I said, you know, if I come watch you, I said, and, and I don't see you smiling or I don't see you hustling uh, or, or whatever, or picking up equipment or breaking a field, whatever it may be, that that's when I have a problem. You're going to make mistakes on the field. You're going to strike out. You're going to do whatever. Okay. That, that happens. We'll, we can talk about them, learn from them, but your attitude and your effort, you absolutely control them. So you know, go out there, have fun, play hard, and the chips are going to fall where they may. And uh, but let's not get too caught up in in some of the other stuff. I mean, that, that's just baseball, and and uh, you know, we'll we'll talk about it and and learn from it. But uh, anyway, that's that's just how I've approached things. Well, we're gonna we're gonna go out with one more question here. You know, every year you meet hundreds, if not thousands, of families and and you know and and kids. And I haven't played for you for 10 years. And we caught up this summer for the first time in a little while. You know, we talk on the phone and I, I see you down at your camps. But the first words out of your mouth were, how's Uncle Gary? How's your grandparents doing? You know, you talk about trust and you talk about relationships. Is that just something that you've become really good at? You know, after not seeing my family for 10 years to just start name dropping my, my family, I, I thought was, I was taken back. I, I, I called my uncle right after. I'm like, dude, the first question out of Wheel's mouth was, how's Uncle Gary doing? Is that just something that you've, become really good at or well i i hope <laughs> it's it's not a front or it's not a um let's put it this way as recruiters we're salesmen all right that that wasn't some sales tactic or, or anything like that i hope it speaks to who i am at my my core and that i i genuinely care about you know the players that that play for me it's more than just impacting them uh on the field and helping them become better better players you know i hope i teach them some things that help them become better people uh, when they go out into the world, whether they continue to play baseball or not. And so, you know, everybody's family, you know, become is important to them and, and, you know, their family becomes part of, part of our family. So, you know, not every player uh, do I get to know as, as, you know, intimately as, as I would like, but, 
you know, I genuinely care, you know, how their mom and dad are doing, how their brother or sister's doing, aunt, uncle, whatever, uh, whoever's, you know, kind of su supporting them and been, been around. So, you know, I, I hope everybody in your family is, is doing well. And, and, um, cause that's, it, it's, I know it's important to you. And so, uh, therefore it becomes important to me. Like I spend more time with these players than I do my, my own, own kids. And, and, Maybe in some small way with my son, who I said is is a manager here now, you know, I'm catching up on some lost time with him. What's cool is that, you know, that he's kind of become one of the guys, you know, our managed, manager staff is is just a very, they're as much a part of our team as the players. And so, you know, it's even though he's not on the field doing things, it's just kind of cool to see him interacting and we get to see each other, you know, on a daily basis. In fact, uh, when we travel, he's, you know, he goes with us. He's my roommate drives me crazy because, you know, we travel very differently. Uh, he's a 20, almost 21 year old kid that kind of just throws everything in the suitcase anyway, you know, but I spend so much time with these players that it's hard not to get to know, know them beyond just being baseball players. And so I, I, that's the part I like about this level. I think, you know, at a, at a younger level, you know, they move on, but hopefully they come back, you know, and see you and, or stay with you and, and stuff. But I like to see, you know, like what you're doing and, and other guys that you played with or other guys that I've coached. It's not just about, oh, you went on to play professional baseball. So that's the only ones I keep in touch with. No, I, I like to, to hear the guys that are, are teachers or accountants or whatever. And, and now they're starting to have families, you know, which I'm sure you're hearing some of your teammates are, are um, you know, having kids of their own. And, uh, and if I'm still around long enough to be recruiting them when, <laughs> when they're of age, that means I've been doing it probably way too long. So it starts to date you a little bit. But no, that stuff is really, really cool and important to me. So Yeah, I mean, I, I thought it was awesome. And for the, the listeners, we don't have to jump into it, but Temple Baseball cut their program when, when you were the head coach. And just to show, you know, just for the listeners out there, you know, the impact that Coach Wheeler had on these guys, a lot of the guys will go watch St. Joe's now. Right, and they'll they'll support St. Joe's baseball because they don't have a an alumni a, alumni game to go to. So, you were awesome, man, and the the impact the impact was was tremendous on a lot of guys. So we, we really appreciate it. Well, thank you, and and I appreciate you guys. So uh, and, and yeah, you're right. I mean, the number of guys that still come out to watch games and 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 their families, uh, you know, the moms and dads still come to to St. Joe's games. It. it blows me away every time I see them. So, uh, so I'm very grateful and thankful that they, that they do that. So, you know, it's good, good stuff. Well, thanks so much, coach Wheeler. Thanks so much for being on the show with us. And we're, you know, we're excited and hopefully all the listeners got a ton of, a ton of gold nuggets in there. You gave a ton of tips and pointers and hopefully those youth coaches out there or athletes and players themselves, you know, got some really good, uh, got some really good information from you. Cause I'm sure I know I did. I have, I have two pages of notes of stuff that I wrote down. So, hey, thanks so much. We appreciate it. Thank you, guys. I really, really appreciate you having me on. And, and uh, you know, as I said earlier, big fans of, of everything that you're doing over there. I, I, I enjoy, like I said, watching your stuff on social media. Um, and then certainly when I'm, I'm around you guys, I enjoy watching you coach and, and just how you go about things. So keep doing what you're doing. And, and thanks again for having me. Awesome, Coach. Thanks so much. We'll talk to you soon. Well, thanks so much for listening. We appreciate it. The Get Zoned In podcast, that is a wrap. And we'll see you next time and go dominate the day.